What I wanted to share is obviously just we're continuing on this time where we've been just uh, reinforcing the grace of God, obviously the gospel, sharing about how powerful, how wonderful it is, uh, and, uh, and also just the understanding of what Jesus has done in that when he said it's finished, it is finished, and what does that actually mean for us as the people of God? If we want to now step into the purpose, the plan, the destiny of God for our lives, what does that actually mean? Because what I've uh, entitled my preach this morning is we are not wannabes or when-wees. Um, wannabes are people that are put everything off into the future. That's what I want to be. One day, I'm going to be. want to be. Hope I can be. Right? Uh, or when-wees. Don't you love the when-wees? Also, people that look in the past. Do you remember when we were seven? When we were 12, do you remember when we were in Zimbabwe? Do you remember when we, we did this? Do you remember when we did that? No, I don't. Actually, <laughs> it's been a long time. No. <laughs> no. So what I want to share this morning is uh, God's called us to be a people um, that are not, that don't live in the past and they don't live in the future. They live in the now because that's who he is, right? So we're gonna, I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Um, and just want to encourage us that this is the revelation that if we can catch hold of it about the gospel and about the finished work of the cross. You can catch this. You catch a full understanding of the finished work of Jesus and you can begin to step into all that he's got for you because you will live in the now and who he is. So you won't be thinking about... See, the, there's two things that the enemy will try and do. There's many things that he'll try and do, but there's two major things that he will try and do. That he will either get you to work towards something, or he will get you to put something off for the future. So that will happen in the future, or I'll get you to work towards it. Jesus took care of all of that. He wants you to live in the now, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? So it's always like, I'm going to get there. So it's... it's Pray for me because I'm just going to trust the Lord that I will have my healing. Or I, I just, that's not for now. And this is the one that, um, that's really, I think, rocking Connor and I as we're studying the book of Revelation again. Is, uh, is how so much of the book of Revelation in the church has been pushed off to the future. And if it's pushed off to the future, then we don't have any accountability uh, and there's no motivation. It's just like, oh, 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 that's really cool. You know, one day I'm sure I'll be able to discern if it's the Pope or whether it's the, whoever it is that's actually the, the naughty guy is going to come out, woo-woo, um, or whatever. Um, but if you can push it all off and it doesn't really affect me, then it doesn't change my life or hold me accountable. Or if I've got to earn and deserve it, you can hold me also in a place of stagnancy because we never, ever really achieve it. Why? Because he just moves the goalposts all the time. So we never really win. We just keep winning. So if he can get us in that place, then then he's won, right? So Jesus took care of all of that when he died on the cross and when he said it is finished. So I hope I can, can maybe help some of us there. But I want to, um, this is not like for shock factor, but I just want to maybe read a scripture or start off with a scripture. It's found in Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, always good to have your Bibles. Bible is like a writer having a pen. Um, so you don't walk around 
without the tools. Amen. So, Ephesians is a good book. Everyone, let's just pray. Where do you want us to go in Ephesians, Lord? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Those that were in the 5, don't lie. Were you in 5? No? Okay. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. Just verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Awesome. Let's pray and we'll end there. The Bible actually says to me, be imitators of God. As beloved children, you know what is that? I love that because when I woke up this morning, I just had, he is my beloved and I am his. Or you are my beloved. It's in Song of um, Songs or Song of Solomon, however you want to look at it. Um, and it's uh, chapter 6, verse 3. He is my beloved. I am his beloved. And now, as beloveds, he says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So we read that and we know we, we his beloved and he's ours. And then he's speaking to his beloved this morning. You say, he's saying, be imitators of God. Now, that's just a radical, radical statement. And that will freak out most religious minds and they'll put it off to the future or put it somewhere else then just actually let it hit your forehead. Uh, this morning, um, that God actually speaks to us and says, be imitators of me. As his children, be imitators of God. You know, imitating means means to copy, to follow. How do we do that? Be followers of God? Wow, Lord, that's, that's a bit, that's quite radical. So when I was meditating on this, I was just thinking back, because this has been in my heart for a while now. I taught a little bit on it a couple of weeks back. But if we go to John chapter 1, It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 1. <laughs> I'm just going to read the first couple of verses. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, and everything that was made was made through the Word, right? And then just to excite us even more, in Him was life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. We are called to be the light of the world. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light of men. It's time for the church to arise, stop talking, actually start being, and start shining because your life is the light. How you live, what you do, what you say, how you operate is the light that the world is seeing. And if we today can understand the finished work of Jesus Christ, then that life is him reflected in and through our lives because we have become one with Him. Amen. Um, 
The light shines in the darkness. I love this because I just can say it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Put that on your fridge. The darkness has not overcome it. I don't care what you're facing, what you challenge in your life, what darkness you might come across. The darkness has never, ever overcome the light. The light always wins. It's a done deal. It's sorted out. It's there in the Word, and it will continue forever and ever and ever. Amen. The light will never, ever fail in overcoming any darkness, whatever that we face. So when I read this, just to shorten it up very quickly, I see that, that God and the Word are inseparable. Right? So I'm called to be an imitator of the Word. God and the Word are inseparable. I'm called to, be, called to be an imitator of God. God and the Word are inseparable. So that means I'm inseparable to the Word. If I'm going to demonstrate and I'm going to be an imitator of God, I have to be an imitator of the Word. Without me unpacking that too much. So let me maybe say it like this. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, I think it's verse 21 or yeah, in verse 21 it says, And the men of old spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the men of old, they spoke um, from God by the Holy Spirit. So in the, in the early days, in the early times, men spoke, right? Then what happened is God caused scribes to come along who wrote down what men spoke. Now we live in the realm or the place where we take what has been written down and we now speak. We now bring it back to its original form. See, God spoke. He spoke in the beginning. It was written down and then now we read what's written and we speak. See, to be in the beginning, to be like God is to take what has been written and to begin to speak and declare, right? There's, a, there's, a, there's an understanding. Let me, let me, oh, help me, Lord. Um, okay, let, me, let, me, let, me say it, let me say it like this. So, we don't fully understand it. We don't fully um, grasp all of it, but we, we are learning and the Word is enabling us to to grab hold of some of these things, in that actually, in the very beginning, was God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, and there was no creation, right? So they were together, and um, Holy Spirit was hovering, like He always does, like a mom fussing around, and, um, and, and the Son was standing there, pretty relaxed, and, um, and the Father was surveying. He says, guess what we should do? And then he speaks. The sun, as the sun speaks, the Holy Spirit brought shape and form. You understand? And another realm came into being. It's called the natural realm. It's, it might freak us out a little bit, but I, everything that was created came out of the spiritual realm. So the Bible says, work with me here. Everything that was created came out of a spiritual realm, and the spiritual realm, in the spiritual realm, as the Word went forth, so it began to be created, and so the Holy Spirit put it together. Let me give you a quick example. 
Um, I won't go to the garden, but I'll even go a little bit before the garden. Um, what I will say this morning is that God looked and he said, right, God is light. He is light. One day, we're going to be all with him, and we're going to not need anything else because he is light, right? So the Bible says, so God is light, but now he has to speak, and he has to bring that which he is into this new realm. So he speaks, and he says, let there be light. He is light. So what is that? It's called created light. Because he is not a created being, he is light, but then he had to speak into this world created light. And then after that, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make the sun And I'm going to make the moon. The sun and the moon are only there and only function because he created light. This realm that we see and that we live in. So you see, if we're to be like God, follow me. I'm going... (laughs) If your brain is frying at the moment, just put some water on it and just keep, right? You see, because when God spoke, He spoke the Word. The Word is living, it's active. The Word does not return void. The Word keeps going. Man says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create this lacquer rocket that's going to go up there and we're going to see how far the universe is. Good luck, buddy. Because the universe is still expanding and still going on because the word of the Lord will not return void. Is there an end to the universe? Well, there is no end to the word. So if there's no end to the word of God, there's no end to this universe. It just keeps going. Is there more galaxies? Is there more stars? Absolutely. It just keeps going and going and going. You can just keep driving. All the best. So how is our God going to bring this whole thing to the end? The way He's going to bring this whole thing to end is going to roll up creation like a scroll because now that's when He's going to say, right, enough. The Word. The Word. How powerful the Word is in God's mouth. If we understand the finished work of the cross, how powerful is the Word in our mouths, if we understand what we're talking about and what I'm trying to say and encourage us this morning in, right? I hope you're staying with me because that's just, it gets deeper, unfortunately. Um, See, for me, this is what, when the Lord spoke, when He said we, we were called, we were predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, Romans 8 29. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about a people that were predestined and they were um, predestined, they were called, they were called, they were justified, they were justified, and they were glorified. And that word glorified has always been pushed away by the church as to one day when Jesus comes back, we're all going to be glorified. That's not actually the Bible. 
Because there's a process here. There's a process of predestination. There's a process of those that he predestined, he also called. If you're born again, you've been predestined, you've been called. If you've been called, you have been justified. And there's a reason why you have been justified. Justified just as if you never sinned. There's a reason why Jesus died on the cross for your and my righteousness. It's because we are going to walk in the glory of the Lord. There is a glorification that's going to come over the church, which Jesus in His absolute generosity is prepared to share with you and I. And so this glorification, we need to understand what this actually means and how we can walk in it. But first of all, we have to receive it, believe it, and then stand there in our authority in it. So what's happened is if you push it away, push it away, you... you um, you, do, you, you, you never even think about, oh, that's for one day, glory. That's for one day. And then you live here without any of that grabbing or gripping your heart. That's why I'm saying let it grip your heart this morning. Or we still have, we have to earn it and to deserve it, and we've got to work, and we've got to try and do this and do that, which has kept the church in that treadmill for a very long time. But God is breaking out now. And uh, I don't know if you, you didn't tell me something. Lord, you're breaking out. What's going on here? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I know he's, he's breaking out, so anyway. Um, just for, for, for sake of time, very quickly this morning, let's just go to Exodus chapter 3. I'll just, let me go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 is a beautiful story. Uh, it's a fascinating story. It's the story of, uh, of Moses, who's, um, he's run, run away, and he's got married, and he's looking after the sheep in the desert. He's walking along, and uh, as he's walking along, um, he notices something quite interesting or quite weird, and that's um, that there's this bush um, or a small tree or whatever it was. It's, a bu- it's a, obviously a decent-sized bush, not a little guy, um, and it's actually burning, um, but it's not um, being consumed, right? Which is just an amazing thing by itself, right? And, uh, and he decides to go and, and have a closer look at this burning bush, and it's, it is a beautiful picture of the church, because the church is on fire, but the fire, God is an all-consuming fire, but He only consumes that which is not of Him. So it's an all-consuming fire, and it's on fire, but it doesn't even smell of smoke, and it's not getting burnt. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's going to the fire, and uh, the fire is actually loosing their bonds, burning the bonds off them, but they're not even smelling of fire. It's not harming them, but they're enjoying it because they are with Jesus, right, in the bush, which is the church. Okay, so Moses comes along to this bush. He notices it. He draws it a little bit closer. God begins to speak to him. So not only is this bush on fire, but not burning, but also not speaking, um, which is quite a radical thing. And it, and it, God begins to speak to him, and he tells him he's heard the cries of the people. It's a beautiful analogy. I've heard the cries of my people. God has heard the cries of his people. Every single one of your tears, every single one of your cries never, ever falls on deaf ears. God hears. And he does something about it. He says, I'm going to come down. Um, But he tells Moses, go and speak to the people of God. If you go quickly again, um, I'm a storyteller, so I must just stick to the 
Stick to the word quickly. So uh, verse uh, 13, then Moses, said, then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. Tell the people, I am who I am, and say this to them, I am has sent you. So he, he declares and speaks to Moses and says, come on, you know. And then Moses, in his uh, wisdom, then Moses, let's jump to verse 4, then Moses answered, but behold, they will... If, Will not, they'll not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to them, What is in your hand? Ah, he said, A staff. So say this, and what is in your hand? What is God speaking to the church right now? Say this, and what is in your hand? So, so then Moses said, Oh, it's a rod. You know the story. And then so he says, Throw the rod down. He throws the rod down. It turns into a snake. He runs away. Come back, Moses. <laughs> um, um, come back, and I mean, it's just fascinating that all this is going on. Um, this is just crazy stuff, right? Um, so he says, and I grabbed it by the tail, grabbed by the tail, goes back to a rod. And he says, and they don't want to listen to that. Put your hand in your coat, pull it out. Woo, leprous. Put your hand back in your coat, pull it out again, completely, perfectly normal again. So use the signs that will tell, you know. And then Moses, and this is kind of because I'm talking about the church in general as well. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have sp- 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 spoke, spoken to, to, to your servant, but, 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 but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Now what's fascinating here in the story is that God is, there's a bush, it's on fire, but it's not burning. The bush is speaking. The, the rod is... is, is um, turned into a snake, he grabs it, it goes back again, puts his hand in. All this is happening, and Moses' response is, I am not eloquent. I am slow of speech. So God says, tell them I am, and Moses is going, I am. See, the church is still sitting there going, I am weak. I am, uh, I, don't, I am lacking in knowledge. I am this, and God is saying, listen to what I am. Speak what I say you must say, right? Um, I hope I'm uh, good. So if you just jump quickly to Jeremiah, this always... Um, he was actually a prophet, not a bullfrog. I will I'll help you out there, just in case you're wondering. Yeah. 
Uh, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, came to Jeremiah saying, bef- oh sorry, chapter 1. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1. Just prophetic. No. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Wow. That's just, that's just so powerful that God is now declaring and speaking who Jeremiah is, right? Um, sounds familiar. That God is speaking and declaring who we are. And then I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak. For I am only a youth. But the Lord said to him, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms. And then he goes on to say, to pluck up and, and what have you. I have put my words in your mouth. So both of these illustrations give us a couple of keys and clues in that the first protocol was to look to themselves, but God said, don't look to yourself, look to me, and begin to declare what I tell you, and then now who I am, right? hope I'm, I'm getting that. So, so now when we, when we pull this in a little bit, let's just quickly go to Galatians chapter 2. How does this reflect to us? Well, let's just look at something in the New Testament now quickly. I have been crucified with Christ. First, foremost, starting point of, of the whole discussion is, I have been crucified with Christ. So, I no longer can say I am blah, blah. Because I have been crucified with Christ. So, that, that I am has died. Okay. Been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Right? Oh, could go in a direction here a little bit. If it is no longer I who live, who's paying a price? Because it's no longer I who live. We can go to the morgue and have a look how much of those guys are paying a price. Not really anybody, because they're dead. Right? There's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ now who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, or I live by the faith of the Son of God. Probably a better translation. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. 
Isn't it very interesting that he's explaining to us who we are now as New Testament believers, that we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ now who lives me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And I don't nullify the grace of God. And he goes on to talk about what? Righteousness. He says this is not a righteousness uh, through the law, but Christ, otherwise Christ would have died for no purpose. So it's very important that we understand to live and to move and to have our being in this understanding in the finished work of the cross is to live uh, a life that, where we have died and it's no longer us living but Christ now who's living inside of us, right? I hope we are understanding that. Um, otherwise we nullify grace. So this is interesting now. We nullify grace if we don't have an understanding about righteousness. Now, why is righteousness so important? Jump with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Here's Paul. Paul, in, in Philippians chapter 3, just to give us a quick understanding, he's, he's telling us, um, he's starting off by saying, put no confidence in the flesh. He's if, if anybody could put confidence in the flesh, it would be him. Let me give you my list of my, what I put behind my name on my door. Um, these are all my credentials and everything that I am, but I count that as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Um, and verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So he's talking about now righteousness, right? And he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So he's saying, if we understand this, we understand what Jesus has done, I count everything else as lost. This is what is vital. This is what's important. There's a righteousness that comes by faith here. And uh, through that righteousness by faith, there are, are, are two very important things that I want to live in and encounter, and that's knowing him and the power of his resurrection. And I, I wish I could unpack the rest because and, 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 and uh, share in his sufferings. Oops. Um, and become like him in his death. It's just so powerful. Become like him in his death. Oh. And that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That is just so powerful. It's, it's, it's talking about a New Testament believer. And if I could have time, I'd unpack it for you. But the power of his resurrection. But he goes on to say this. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So there was something here that Paul was reaching for that Paul wanted to grab hold of, and he wanted to grab hold of this thing, the same thing for which, has, which Christ has grabbed hold of him. Paul felt there was something here I need to grab hold of. I want to encourage us as a church and say, for a lot of the church, they sit there, they got born again, it's wonderful now, and they're just sitting in the church life, and they might have this opportunity to sing Kumbaya in the church and what have you. When Paul was saying, there's something greater and bigger here, there's something that I need to grab hold of, which Christ has grabbed hold of me. The salvation, friends, is not a ticket to get you out of hell and to get you into heaven. It's way more. 
There's way more for the church. There's way more that God's got. We've sold this whole thing so short. We've pushed it off to somewhere in the by and by when right now God wants you and I to live in something that Paul was prepared to count everything as loss that he might grab hold of this very thing, this very thing of knowing Jesus Christ. But it's not just knowing Jesus Christ. Part of knowing Jesus Christ is to move in the resurrection power of God. There is a power and anointing on the people of God that God wants to display and to, and to see manifest in these last days. And Paul said, this is what we're about. This is what we're going after. I'm grabbing hold of this thing. There's, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Matthew 11. Friends, that's not some striving. That's not some stress. That's not some works. That's not trying to do something. Friends, that's grabbing hold of something that Jesus has paid for. When he's talking in the context of John the Baptist. People are coming from all over the place to see John the Baptist. And then John the Baptist points to Jesus. And they all come thronging around Jesus. They all want, yes, but they, they, they came there for the wrong reasons. They wanted to grab hold of what he could do for them. And, and Jesus is saying, this thing, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the, the people are thronging in. The kingdom of God is suffering violence. The violence are taking you by force. They're grabbing hold of something, some truth, friends, that will take you to grab hold of it with all your might. Not works, not striving, friends, grabbing hold of it with every single one of our beings, of this thing that he's purchased for us. We're in a bombardment of the enemy and the lies of the enemy and trying to tell us a whole bunch of other stuff. Book of Revelation, breathe. Okay, book of Revelation, all of that stuff, friends. When at the end of the day, what God has purchased for us is so powerful, so wonderful, that Paul could say, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. The church is rising up in this day that nothing else matters except that we grab hold of knowing Him and the power of His resurrection. Amen. And the other things which we'll see there. But uh, this morning, I have no breath to say that. But um, mm, Breathe. And if, and if I carry on, it says, it says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. We're talking about Paul. I don't consider I've made it my own. But one thing I do, oh, I love this. I love this. Let it shatter every single mindset about going back in the past all the time to figure stuff out. <laughs> Just one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. Oh, there's a forward thing here. To what lies ahead. I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I know I'm right. Paul said he was right too. He says, if you think anything differently, don't worry. God will help you and you'll come into line with my thinking. But the, the reality here is what Paul is saying. This thing is so beautiful. I'm stretching and I'm reaching forward for what lies ahead, forgetting what lies behind. I'm not letting any of that speak to me because it's not in uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He took care of everything that speaks that way. He's trying to grab hold of something that's speaking this way, friends. And the way he can speak this way is we have to realize where we're standing right now that the God says, I am. Remember that he's outside of time. Outside of time, there is no past. There is no present. There is no future. There's just now. Now, faithers. There's just now, friends. He doesn't, he's not, he's, he, he, it's outside of that. So now he's coming. He said, I want you to now imitate me. Woo! 
This is so exciting. Imitate me. I am the Son of God. I am the bread of life. I am the fountain of life. I am. So when he speaks to me and I say, I'm going to imitate God. I am forgiven. I am a child of God. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. I am forgiven. I am. I am. Right. Moving on. Quick. Um. See, it's the same mandate, if I can say this very quickly. It's because it just got to bring in the beginning as well, all the time. Is that in the very beginning, God had a mandate and a purpose for man. He said, go, be fruitful, multiply. Man, just think fruitful and multiply. Don't think babies. Just think of that's blessing. That's being fruitful. That's like, whoo, that's, that's joy. That's excitement. That's whoo, fruitful. Fruitful is overflowing. It's lovely, Right? Uh, and then you can talk also about babies, but let's, but let's think more kingdom babies. And anyway, let's move on from that. But be fruitful, multiply. But it says to subdue and take dominion. God's design and plan was always for the people of God to subdue and take dominion. We have authority. When we move in the presence and power of God and in the glory of the Lord, it will cover the whole earth. Because now we'll begin to say, I am. And let the I am, the word of the Lord, be released into that divine situation. Instead of putting off what I am, or thinking I'm going to get to I am, I am. Right? Oh. I'm flapping now. The Bible, the Bible says this powerful thing. It says, I am, I am born from above. I'm not, I'm, I am born Again, I now am born from another realm. I'm now living in this realm, right? In this realm. I am a citizen of that realm, but I'm now living in this realm. And he says, now, you who are from the other realm, which is my realm, which is God's realm, right? He's saying, now, I want you to subdue and take dominion in this realm. My life in this realm now is to subdue and to take dominion even though I'm from another realm. So as I'm operating and moving in this realm, I'm operating actually from a place of another realm into this realm. You go, uh, uh. John chapter 3, very quickly, John chapter 3. Let's, I've now gone on a trail. Somebody pull me back. What's the time? Come back, come back. Five minutes, six minutes. This trail is going to take us around Joburg twice, so. Buckle up. Buckle up, people. Buckle up. John chapter 3. Connor's saying, just stay the course and we'll do it next week. Okay, no. John chapter 3 is a story about Nicodemus. Nicodemus, Nicodemus, this guy. He was a classic, beautiful Pharisee. He needed to see Jesus, so he thought he would do it in the still quietness of night um, where no one could see him, which is fine. Jesus didn't mind that. Anyway, so he comes to Jesus, and when he comes to Jesus, he goes, Lord, I know that you must, oh, let me read this. You must be from God. It says, um, came to Jesus by night, said to him, Rabbi, verse 2, 1, 2, 2. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, uh, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So what was, what was um, Nicodemus's, what was he freaking out at? He was freaking out at what? The signs and the wonders, the miracles that Jesus was doing. So he knew, hold on a minute. Jesus, this doesn't, this doesn't marry up in my head. You, 
you must be from God because you wouldn't be able to do these things. But I'm, it's, 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 I'm freaking out with understanding. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says, it's easy, Nicodemus. You must be born again. Oh, why does he say that? Because you can also do these miracles and signs and wonders. But you have to be born again. See, when you're born again, then you're born from another realm. You're born from above. That doesn't mean above as in a physical. I'm talking about above, from a higher realm. I've had time I'll unpack for you actually heaven, what that word actually means, but let's not go there. Side trail. Um, so Jesus says, no, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, what? No, you, how, how can you be born again? This, that's, that's crazy, right? I'm, I'm paraphrasing you, obviously, right? Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, is born of the spirit is spirit. Um, then Nicodemus says, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? You are supposed to be the teacher. You don't understand this. The Word of God says, heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. So when I'm standing on the earth, I'm operating from the authority of heaven, the heavenly realm. Nicodemus says, huh? He says, so actually, listen to this, listen to this. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Listen to this. No one has ascended into heaven. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And if you've got a really good translation, it should go on to say, who is in heaven? If you have an average translation, um, you'll see a little goodie, squeaky, um, and you go look down there, it'll say some manuscripts add, who is in heaven? So no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. So he says to Nicodemus, um, you see all the stuff that's happening, it's all oh, I just got to be born again, because um, I'm in heaven. Nicodemus, huh? But you're here. Isn't that, you see, I'm operating from the realm of heaven. You're a teacher and you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. If I tell you earthly things and you're battling, can you imagine when I begin to try and explain to you heavenly things? You might go like, um, how about this? Is this on your fridge or is this just something that you pushed away forever? That God says, I've placed you and seated you in heavenly places. Is that just a mantra? Is that a something that you can quote to somebody to make us sound good? Or is that actually a revelation of what we've got? Anyway, dropping that out, moving. So, oh, how can I? Okay, so let's just quickly go to Romans. Romans chapter 8, and I'll try and land. Romans chapter 8. If I'm scattered, I'll pick it up and pull it all together because I must try and pull it all together as fast as I can. So Romans chapter 8, there's so many scriptures here that um, Paul is clearly telling us that there's got to be something more than just we got born again and now we kind of pray and ask the Lord, please Lord help me because I'm battling or I'm struggling. Can you give me this or can you give me that and what have you, right? 
where Paul's telling you, no, no, listen, there's power, there's authority, there's something here for the people of God where they can operate from this realm the, where heaven is the throne. What's the throne? It's a place of authority. So where you can operate from authority, but your feet are on this earth, that we're seated in those places where we, we're ruling and reigning from a place of authority, which is from a different realm because I come from that. That's where all my mates are, but I'm here uh, operating in this earth now because my feet are down here, and I can dom- take dominion because I operate from that place, right? So there's, Paul is saying, I'm grabbing hold of this thing. Oh, I want to know what he's grabbing hold of. And, and, and uh, well, well, let me, while you've got Romans, let me quickly just, uh, no, it doesn't go that way. Let's go this way. Where, um, if you go quickly to Ephesians, so just hold on to Ephesians, <laughs> hold on to your... Hold on to your life jackets. Um, um, Ephesians, Ephesians, oh, I can't read it all, but you go to 9. It's in saying he ascended. What does it mean that he's descended into the lower regions? He ascended. Um, let's just go quickly to verse 12. Uh, sorry, first, uh, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. It's a good book. Just read it until you come across. You'll, you'll find me. I'm there. Um, it says, yeah, it says, so these are, it's talking about to the church. He says in, in verse 12 of, of chapter 4, uh, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. We all know that one. We go, woo, it's given us gifts. That's all nice. Let's not keep it nice. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it outworked in our lives. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There is a purpose and a plan. The body of Christ is being equipped. It's being uh, 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 built up and established so that it comes to a place of maturity, till it comes to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Woo! That's not some nice little words, friends. The fullness of Christ. You know, if you you shoot back to uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20-something, it says um, that the fullness of the deity bodily dwells inside of Jesus Christ, right? So the whole point of the church is on a journey to maturity. To what? To the full stature of the fullness of Christ. What does the fullness of Christ look like if the whole deity bodily dwells inside of him? John 17 verse 22 where Jesus said... My desire is that they would be one just as we are one. As Father, you're inside of me and I in you. So I, I pray that they would be one with me, I and them, I and you. The Father, the Son, all inside of us, we have become one. Because this is the glory. The glory that God wants to reveal through our lives is when we become one with Jesus and one with the Father. Because now He is inside of us. And when He is now inside of us, the Word, the living Word is inside of us, when we begin to speak. Friends, it's been a disgrace in the church when we've tried to manipulate this whole thing. And you start to name and claim, and you start to declare, friends, and then visualize, and and then it can be yours. Outside of the will of God, outside of the plan, the purpose of God, that is just man manipulating and trying to be individualistic in his own life to try and get whatever he can from God. Friends, but you know what happens? The enemy says, you know what? Let me just dirty the water, make the water a little bit dirty. Then when they throw out the water, the baby goes with, right? We've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. What we speak, friends, is vital. It is the kingdom of God. If you want to bring that realm into this realm, it comes through the speaking. 
It's how it works. It's how God works. It's how if we want to imitate God, that's how we've got to imitate Him, friends. But true freedom, friend, isn't doing whatever you want. True freedom is when you've yielded and surrendered totally your life to Jesus Christ, where now Christ in you is your life. Now when Christ in you is your life, friends, then when as you begin to declare and to speak, friends, now you'll see the creative power of God beginning to operate. And Paul said, oh, that I might know Him. Because the more I know Him, the more He takes control of my life, the more he, all we see, all I see is Him in my life. And as I see Him in my life, then I can begin to experience the power of His resurrection. And that's the church, the glorified church, that's arising right now. They begin to move in signs and wonders and in power because they know Him. Not because they've been naming and claiming. Not because they've been visualizing. I see that Porsche in Jesus' name. I visualize it. I can see myself driving up here. Vroom, vroom. See all the people going, oh, <laughs> No, friends, I yield my life to Him. I surrender totally to Him. Then He becomes my words. Oh, uh, and I was going to Romans 8. Why was I going to Romans 8? Oh, I was going to Romans 8 only because, only because in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse... 19, for consider that the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Friends, we always go, oh, that's the glory that's to be revealed to us. One day, in the by and by, when, when, we, when Jesus comes, the glory. No, no, this, the, he said, yeah, I consider the sufferings of this present time uh, to be not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. There's a glory, right? But then he says, for the creation waits with eager longing. Creation, creation, this creation, this realm is waiting with eager longing. And if I just unpack that eager longing, you would go, wow. For the revealing of what? Of the sons of God. Friends, creation, friends, it's powerful. There are massive big mountains, friends. And they're not sitting there eagerly waiting for a pipsqueak. <laughs> right? They're not eagerly waiting for just a little poop, a damn squid. It's like when I used to sit and watch the Guy Fox nights, and they go, this is now, woo, a volcano, and start lighted. just, what was that? They're eagerly waiting. The sons of God must be incredibly powerful and exciting that the whole of creation is on its tiptoes waiting, going, come on, baby, you can do it. This, we, this is powerful, what God's given us to, to walk in. Understand? And, okay, so I can't carry on with there for a little bit, but let me just, let me just quickly go to Ephesians 1. I've landed. I'm landing. I'm, I'm, I'm not landing. I'm circling, but I will, I will just... <laughs> I, I just, I won't land, okay, I just won't land. I won't land, I'll do, I'll carry on whenever I carry on. Um, um, I just, I just want to read Ephesians 1 because I want us to see this. It's Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. To the saints who are in Ephesus. This, it just, it, it, it freaks me out. I, I want you to know, and, and if you don't know this, then just hear it from my heart, but hear it so clearly you don't need to belong to the Catholic Church and do some wonderful things and then wait 300 years in order for you to be a saint. In case you're confused. You can be a saint the moment that you give your life to Jesus Christ. You become a saint. And if you're a saint, friends, you know what a saint means? Holy, blameless. You're a saint, holy and blameless. So now, when I speak and I stand in the position of God, I am a saint 
if the whole church could just stop there and begin to just have that revelation and that understanding that I am a saint, right? Um, grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Who has blessed us in Christ. Church of Jesus. I am blessed. How many times have you said, I am blessed, and how many times have you prayed to be blessed? See, I am blessed. In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in many places, even as He chose us in Him. I am chosen. I am blessed. I am chosen. This is powerful. I am a saint. See our language, how we begin to declare, how we begin to speak the language. When in 2 Corinthians 5.17, when it talks about that we are new creations in Jesus, that, that uh, understanding there in the Greek is a complete change, a shift in total being, understanding of everything. It's a worm to a butterfly. It's a complete change. We are we are transformed. This life that I'm talking about is a complete change. It's shifting everything in our thinking and our understanding. We are new creations in Jesus Christ. Not old. Old has passed away. Old thinking is gone. We now have got to think completely new. So what I'm sharing this morning is trying to be filtered through old. Don't filter it through old, but let it come through now. What we, that's why we, we can stand there and say, I am a new, I am a new creature in Christ. So now when the enemy comes and he wants to lie to you, you've got to come back to this position in Christ because he is the I am, and he is now inside of me, and my life is now hidden with him in Christ. So I am. So Colossians 3, so I set my mind on the things that are above, not on the things of this earth, so that I can begin to speak and declare the I am of who I am right now in Jesus Christ because God is not operating in the past or the future. He's operating in the now. And that's why it says now faith is. So I can operate in faith now. Now what I'm walking in, what I'm speaking. And the reason why it is so powerful, righteousness, because righteousness, friends, enables us to stand in the now. The righteousness that God purchased through the cross enables us to actually have a relationship with God and to be covenanted with Him, to be one with Him and to be able to walk. So this declaration, friends, is not just about a blank check of what we must say. Go and look in the Scriptures and find the promises. They're all yes and amen in God. Let's find the Scriptures so that we can declare. This is who we are in God. And when I begin to come into line with who I am, I begin to operate the way I'm supposed to operate in Christ, right? So that's the glory that God wants to reveal on the earth. The glory of God is not Jesus coming down in a mist and covering the whole earth. This is God operating through His kids when they come into line with this revelation and this understanding. So I see, I'm not a wannabe. I'm not a when we. I'm an I am. See, when Jesus said, who does they say the Son of Man is? And then Peter says, you are the Christ. That's not Jesus' surname. The Christ that's the anointed one. See, Jesus, he said, this revelation has come straight from the Father. See, now I come into the revelation of that place. Now, when Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I can say, 
the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. I'm anointed because Jesus is anointed. Jesus is inside of me, so the anointing of God can begin to operate and set the captives free, and I can begin to move in the presence and power of God, not because of me, but because of Jesus inside of me, and I have to now speak and declare that I am. Right? What I am. I have to land. I've spat enough. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Now, that doesn't mean we rush off to pick and pay now and we go buy a cow tongue or whatever and, that and try and eat it thinking there's something in the tongue. That means this little guy here, there's power, life and death, friends. When people come to you and they go, oh, that's just a whole, I've, I've been there, whatever, that's just naming it and claiming it, that's just speaking it. No, you have no understanding of the revelation that inside of this little tongue it can steer a ship. A little rudder steers the whole ship. This little tongue can steer my life into life or death depending what I say out of here in the revelation, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. I've got to know Him so that I can speak, so He speaks inside of me because He is the living Word. And then whatever He speaks, friends, creative power of God is released. Shall we stand? I'm going to pray over us. Now in the spiritual realm, I can see a lot of smoke and um, and some burnt offerings happening as the, as the brain is maybe a little bit, woo. So this guy gets really excited. He shouts and stomps and jumps up and down. But I want to I I let it land, and then I'll unpack it slowly, maybe, um, and just help us a little bit. But, I, I, you know, when, when I felt over the last couple of weeks and God was just, Settling this on my heart. Um, if, you, if you're somebody who's been born again a long, a long time, um, then you'll know that, uh, oh, this whole thing of speaking and all of that, just, oh, been here, done this. Um, and so I, I said that to the Lord, but I, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit just stop me there and say, just let me speak. And, I, and that's what arrested me, was just let me speak. And I thought, woo. There's something about letting God speak. And it's almost like in our lives, that's what God is saying. He's saying, I'm sending you. Let me speak. Not you speak. Not your ideas, your thoughts, or what you want. Let me speak. Don't say, I am not eloquent. I am poor in language. I am but a child. But say this. And when I understand what he's now telling me to say, and I come into line with that, and I become one, my life becomes one with that, in union with that, then the presence and the power of the glory is released. The creative power of God. Jane is going to recreate, recreate um, time where I believe that God is igniting the prophets, the, the creatives once again. And guess what? We're all creatives, actually, because we were made by the Creator. And if we have Him inside of us, we're very, very creative. 